And he's like, sometimes I'm doing Forrest Gump, and sometimes I'm doing doing Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and sometimes I'm doing Castaway. And then sometimes I'm doing Beowulf. But you can bet 90% of the time Tom Hanks is going to be there. Scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. Your one-stop shop for all things movie related. (laughs) Apparently. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, cults, conspiracies, mysteries, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Oh, that's because it's our show. And And not yours. (laughs) If it's your first time listening to the show, you really want to stop. Go, go back, back to the beginning. Start from the beginning. Episode one. Grumble thorped in my mouth a little bit. Just You're a little really bit. gonna want to do that. Uh, you are. And catch up. You're gonna want to come along for the journey because it's gonna pay off. It is. We think someday. Right now, next month, two months. Could it be three months? Who knows? Four months? Ever? Could it happen in one year? I don't know. Two but years? Stop. It's possible. Go back, please. Start from episode one. And welcome, welcome back. back. That's is it ever going to get old? No, I hope not. Maybe I don't know. What we recorded before is are you going to tack that on to the end? Is I don't a little, know. Little Figure little out where it goes. Maybe it's the, the beginning. Credits, a little postscript. I don't know. Maybe that'll be the whole episode. Sure. Thanks for listening. I'm Sarah. <laughs> Stephanie's tired, so we're wrapped. Just kidding. <laughs> I am perpetually tired. No, that's, we, that's real. What you don't see is that we spent a little over an hour creatively brainstorming. Oh, we're the, so excited about Guesttober this year. The only thing we were missing was a whiteboard to like write it all down and on. And there was a whiteboard in there. Did you see? But it see? was business stuff. It. It was, it was, we couldn't touch not it. Ours, yeah, yeah. I was not going to touch it. No, 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 no. Eric, if you're listening, we did not touch it. We didn't it. touch it. We just saw that it was there. We, we were like, oh, oh whiteboard. Did with space. So... Remember, we record at Mary Angela and Eric's house. Yes, thank you very much. Very to much, them. thank you. Yes, yes, they're currently on vacation, so we had to let ourselves in. But recently, a space in their home became available when their boy moved out. They are empty nesters. They're empty nesters now, and and this place has gone to shit. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> So Eric's studio um, has expanded a little bit because he's using the old bedroom as as an office space so the studio there was another desk in here that's gone and there's like this sexy chaise chaise lounge lounge. over here (laughs) it's real fancy i love a chaise lounge it's great because this is an audio podcast and unlike other podcasts we do not film this and release it for you so none of you will know what this looks like except for the few who come here and record with us right who show yeah who yeah who come on our show sometimes and do stuff um, yeah, so there's a, a sexy new... It makes the room look bigger. I think it's because the window was over there was more blocked by... Oh, a whole desk. By the desk. I know this is riveting conversation. Feng Shui. Just... Yeah, this is where I'm going to cut this out, and this is where I'll put Chip and, and Dale this in. you're going to put in the info about Chip and Dale. <laughs> <laughs> it feels extra quiet here today. It does, because we're the only ones here. There's nobody here. That's it. That's what I was going to talk about. Ooh. Um, I want to say... It only took us, what, four years, but we came in here, we set up all this recording ourselves. We are going to be recording, exporting, working on this audio. That's all right. On our all own. alone. No help from Eric, Eric this week. Eric is not here. Even if I wanted to call on him, vacay. he couldn't answer. He's driving. So he couldn't even FaceTime with us. So I'm going to do it right now, but no one's going to answer. Eric! He's gone. Yeah, I like it when we just yell for him. That's fun. <laughs> That's an old, old throwback. But I was listening to some original episodes because we take our own advice. And I remember one where we were by ourselves and you were the one who set up all the audio. So I don't understand when these roles reversed. <laughs> but now it's me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm not going to lie. It's when the key holders changed. You had a key to there that you studio go. and I have a key to this studio. Whoever holds so the in key their to the old, house yeah, touches the audio In their equipment. old house, I had a key to that house. And then when we moved here, they gave their extra key to Sarah, and they have not made me a key. Okay. I'm the favorite child. 
Now, um, no, I had a key to the old place, but then we moved and they, you know, had a copy of their key for their house and that key went to Sarah. I'm not that friend anymore. Mary Angela said it's because you live closer. It's because I live around the corner. That's what Mary Angela said, but I still feel some type of way about it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So listeners, I make come a use petition. that bathtub, man. They have know. y'all. They have two. two bathtubs, and one of them never gets used I ever. I know, and they're like clawfoot tubs. They are nice, and their hot water it gets hot. Like it could, if you only turn on the hot water, you would burn yourself. Everyone, come to Mary Angela and Eric's house. It is <sighs> we have a bath party. <laughs> Just kidding. We're sorry, Mary Angela. No one came over while you were out of town. I promise. It's funny because by the time this episode comes up, they'll, they'll be, be back, back home anyway. So. Oh no, this comes out on Thursday. They're still shut gone. up. I was like, <laughs> 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 that was kind of my point. I was like, oh, I don't want to tell everybody your house is empty. And I'm like, by the time this comes out, they'll be back anyway. <laughs> No, this whole house is totally full of people. No, but they're on vacation. I mean, they're not anymore now that this episode is out. But in the time of the recording, they're on vacation. So I hope they're having a great time. We're here on our own and everything is off the rails. Yeah, we're throwing a rager. Basically. Eliminating all evidence of the rage, rager. You know how you do that? You wipe out you the wipe sinks. You wipe out the sinks. That's what Mary Angela taught us about professional squatting. She's like, don't air that shit. (laughs) She's like, please stop learning these things from me. When she was a teen and she would hang out in In like a house that she was like supposed to be like house sitting and she would throw a little party and the way I wasn't in there. And then they would clean everything up. They would get rid of all the trash. They wouldn't leave any trash, even in the trash can of the house. Like all, everything was out and eliminate all evidence of people being there. And then she said that the most important thing was to dry out the sink. Dry the sink. And she told me a story about how, you know, somebody one time, checked her mom. Her mom went in and first thing she did, did was, was walk, right walk over, over and check the sink, see if the sink. sink was wet. And she's like, well, she couldn't have been in here. The sink's bone the dry. Sink's dry. <laughs> Welcome to Dead Time Stories. We will where we never talk forget about this. Mary Angela's life <laughs> in Mary Angela's house, even when Mary Angela's not here. She's going to call you and she's going to be like, so I noticed you talked about me a lot in this episode. Can we talk about compensation? I really think I should get a cut. Who is she, my brother? Yeah, Philip. Now we're going to talk about you. So how about that time Philip called? Yeah, Philip called money. me today and he was like, so you do this bonus content. Philip is my brother. If you haven't started from the beginning, which you should, what are you doing? Philip's my brother. And he was like, I know you let out this bonus content where Sarah talks about ghost adventures um, and... I heard it today because you... Because he know, doesn't he, subscribe to our Patreon. Right, he, he doesn't, doesn't support So he didn't hear it there. He didn't hear it on the paid content. And then he has the you capacity. We didn't release an episode uh, this past week because I broke a tooth. <laughs> Girl. I wasn't going to That's a whole that. thing. Yeah. I broke a molar, y'all. Yeah, it was fucked up. Stuff. I have a temporary... So I was like, do you not, you want to maybe not have to talk for an hour this, this is, week? This is real. <laughs> She's like, yes. This is a real thing. I have to, I have a temporary filling. In three weeks, I have to get a temporary crown. And then three weeks after that, I have to get a permanent crown. The other thing was uh, if the damage was, she was like, you'll know this within a couple of days, you know, after they put the the fake or the temporary fitting on, filling on. She was like, over the next couple of days, if it's still really sensitive, if it's sensitive, like if you drink cold water and it hurts, not like right away, it hurts for like 10 minutes, mm. then you'll, you're, then you're going to need a root canal. Oh. Right. Which is like the scare, the, like that's the, the most dreaded language oh. you hear. Like dentistry is already scary for it. everybody. Mm-mm. But like, those are like the two scariest words that you ever like hear in dentistry. But the good news is that with the temporary filling um i haven't had any sensitivity like that so the Oof. crown is going to be fine i'm not gonna I'm not gonna need a root canal dodge so. the canal super exciting my brother though yeah back to phil <laughs> we released an episode Philip. of what that ghosts do place of a regular episode because of my medical dental emergency and my brother was like i think i gave you that title of what that goes to didn't i and i was like i don't know <laughs> i don't know did you and he was like i think i did and I think it's time that we start talking about my compensation for, you know, my contribution to your show and using my my my, ment- my intellectual property. And I was like, bye. bye. And I hung up the phone. So he's dead to us now. We don't talk to Philip. Philip, if you're listening, stop. 
Don't go back to the beginning. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You won't because we're not compensating you for shit. And then I called him back and he was Just kidding. still we laughing. You. Um, but that's my brother. Always looking for the money grab. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Leslie. Y'all, Y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Sarah, you're finishing your part two this week, it's right? It's part two of Linda Hazard. What do you remember? Hazard? I hardly know her. Hazard? I should have taken that as the red flag that it is and stayed away from her. I remember that she was trouble. She is trouble. <laughs> trouble with the capital T, and She's... I don't know the rest of the song. Oh, I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, I don't know Oklahoma well it's enough. Trouble. With a capital T. That's all I got. See, that's I it. know the Travis Tritt song, which I was actually just texting about this to my siblings the other day. Um, 90s country. There's a Travis Tritt song called T-R-O-U-B-L-E. And I remember that song because that song was really popular around the time I was learning how to read. <laughs> and there were parts like, of that. I know what he's spelling. There were parts of that song. I remember the experience of like not knowing all of uh, not understanding all the song and the experience of being like oh, that spells this and trouble isn't the only word because he does like a hey good l double o k i n g oh yeah she's good looking what are you doing a l o n e she's alone <laughs> you're over there like it's a uh it's a spy note you're like right. okay a l o it spells alone it spells alone it spells alone okay what's because the world ain't ready for nothing like a y-o-u Okay, that's it, that's it, that's it. Okay, it spells you. It spells you. It spells you. Alone, you, trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> ah, ah, no. Oh. 70s having a panic attack. <laughs> that's that's the song I think of Six about, years old. about trouble. But that's what she was, too. Yeah, Lindsay has, Linda Hazard is. Tell me all about this trouble. bitch. Well, part two. Let's continue the story. Do you want to... Previously on. There we go. I was like, you want to give a previously on? Previously on, Dead Time Stories. Insert clip here. Just kidding. I'm not doing that. Take what if I just put in that whole episode? <laughs> uh, no. So previously, we met Linda Hazard, who yeah, was born did. Linda Burfield. We learned about her naming herself a doctor, which in the early 1900s, that was, the thing. That that was, that was the how thing you became do. a doctor. You just told people you were a doctor. You told people you were a doctor. And if you were a man, as we learned from John R. Brinkley, you had the right facial hair. And that meant you were a doctor, mm. right? But women can't do that. So she just had a commanding presence. And she, so she's just got to tell three friends that she's a doctor. And then they've got to tell three friends that she's a doctor. She, as I've been describing it to other people, as I've been telling this story, she was Gwyneth Paltrow before Gwyneth Paltrow. She... She fasted so Gwyneth could goop. So this is where we are. (laughs) Linda comes up with this method about fasting. Fasting for the cure of disease is the name of the book that she writes in 1908. And her method is to fast for at minimum 40 days for zero subsisting on only juice from vegetables. So juice from tomatoes, asparagus. And it's really... It's not as nice or sustainable or substance. Is she into Jesus? Is it all like a Gwen Shamblin thing? No, mm. but there. It, I think Gwen Shamblin read this book as a child. Mm. I get very as we keep going. She is. She's. You can see how this could have been a great inspiration. For Ms. Yes, Shamblin. absolutely. Because one of the things that Linda talks about, and I don't have the direct quote in front of me, because I'll be honest, for part two, I'm free balling. I didn't write my notes down. I said That's I was going to outline them and then I didn't, but I've been living with this hey man, story. So I'm free balling it. So essentially, Linda does have a quote saying, like, hunger is desire. You don't need to feed your desire. You need to figure out like where that's coming from. And sure. the minute you figure that out, then you're no longer feeding desire. You're feeding a different, yeah. Which There's is a when different Shamblin. hunger inside of you. Stop bowing down to the fridge and bow down to God. that's Satan. It's Satan that's making you go pray to your refrigerator. But see, so Linda's wasn't that Satan. Linda's was that's your poop and your poop is toxic and you got to stop digesting food. You remember the whole thing was if you're sick, it's because you have toxic blood. If you have toxic blood, it's because you have poop stuck inside of you that is toxic and your digestive system now, isn't working now right. Now any poop is bad. Yeah. 
poop is bad. Not just right, but not just like you have poop that's going in places where it shouldn't be. She's saying like you shouldn't have poop at all. You shouldn't have it, yes. You shouldn't even be pooping. Your issue is your digestive system, and so we're going to just stop your digestive system. Like, we're just going to wipe the slate clean. So her method was you fast for 40 days, you just subside on that vegetable juice, you take long walks every day, no matter how fucking tired you are, she gives you massages where she's just pummeling you with her fists across your entire body, including your temple. She's just fucking beating the shit out of you while also claiming uh, from the book that I read that she'll also be saying, eliminate, eliminate. She's just eliminate. I don't know if she wants you to poop in that moment or not, because the next step in her process is hour long enemas. I have to add that Zach Simcoe reached out to me. <laughs> Did he reach out to you too? I think so. Because I could remember that the Daleks said exterminate, yes. but I could not remember what the Cybermen say. This is on Doctor Who. It's delete. Mm. They say delete. So the Daleks are like, exterminate, exterminate. And then the Cybermen are like, delete, delete. So she started that. So she was so, eliminated. So her thing is elim- eliminate. 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 Right. Yeah. eliminate. Thank you, Zach. As she beats, <laughs> we love you, Zach. As she beats the shit out of you. <clears throat> and then you have to have enemas, like hour long oh, yeah. enemas. You've got to. You have, you got to get <laughs> Everybody the- knows. Duh. That's how you get everything out of you. Sure. And then once you do that, and you sign away all of your goods and belongings, then you're going to be cured for life. Anything that ails you, you'll be fixed. So that's Linda's. Sure. That's her claim to fame. Yeah, that's her thing. That's her method, right? So she moves, she marries the con man of her dreams, which is where she gets the hazard. Yep. Marries the con man of her dreams, and they move off to Washington, where she opens up her practice with her. She gets in a helicopter accident? No. (laughs) It's not that fast. (laughs) Ing. It's not there. She has dreams of opening like a sanitarium, sanatorium. I always get them mixed up. I should probably know this. I'm a podcast about it. But she wants to basically open up like a retreat, a resort, sure. a teal swan, come a and- A nine perfect strangers, if you work will. Work with me. Yes, exactly. So she ultimately goes up there. She opens up her practice and she starts working on getting this land, this property, who is actually at the time owned by- a senator who is one of her patients. So the person owning the land of the resort that she will ultimately be getting, she's not going to buy it because he's one of her patients. Yeah, that sounds like some teal swan chair right there. And he later dies. Mm -hmm. Because what we learned last time on Dead Time Stories is that by the time she even moves to Washington and she gets this property, people have died. Yeah. Before she even published her book, Someone we had dead. died. Oh, yeah. And she was also already known for taking people's things. That's how she got that book published. She got their money. So She got that money. She's in Washington. She's working on building her resort. It's going to be called Wilderness Heights. She's got her practice in Washington in Olala. And... <laughs> Olala. Olala. Don't go there. It sounds nice. It's not nice. Oh, la, no. No, no, thanks. Because Linda's there. Meanwhile, while she's doing her thing, finding other people to scam and fast, we were introduced at the end of last episode to our two sisters. Two sisters go in. One sister comes out. What happened? How did it happen? Do they know things? What do they know? We're going to find out. Let's find out. That's where we met Claire and Dorothea Williamson. 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 Son? Williamson. Dorothea goes by Dora. So, Claire and Dora are two rich orphans. They're from Europe. Their parents had died, right? And they are sisters and they are inseparable. They're best friends. They also like to do these fad health things, mm-hmm. right? It's the early 1900s. They're rich white women who sometimes don't sleep right and have gas. Claire had been reported as being told by a gynecologist that she had a, they called it a fallen uterus, Mm. basically that her uterus was like displaced in her body and was placed a little further back towards her spine than it should have been. So she probably shouldn't have, like, she probably shouldn't have babies, but it's nothing, it's nothing life threatening. It's nothing crazy. But other than that, they really were in perfect health, but they were constantly on the look for 
the next cure. They had the money to spend. And it was so much to the point where their family that they did have, because they had aunts and uncles and cousins and whatnot, their family was like, y'all got to stop buying into these MLMs. Y'all got to stop doing this. So when Claire and Dorothea stumbled upon young fasting, um, they didn't tell their family. So they find Linda's fasting for the cure and they're like, this is me now. We want, and they said, oh my God, she's going to have a whole resort where we get to go and we get to have fresh pressed vegetable juices and we'll fast. And then after 40 days, all of our things are going to be cured. Like that sounds like an oasis. That sounds amazing. So they start communicating with Linda and this is where we left off last time. So they start communicating with Linda they start talking about making the trip over to Washington. Sure. So they show up. They get to Washington. They're like, we're here. We're ready. We want to start our treatment. This starts in February of 1911. They come in. Linda's like, this is fantastic. I'm so happy you're here. The resort isn't quite ready yet. So I'm going to put you up in an apartment here in Capitol Hill in Washington, which is a city nearby. I'm going to put you up there, but we're going to start your treatment. So they started February Fasting. Two months roll by. Fasting, daily massages, daily enemas, pummeling, etc. Two months go by, and at this point, the girls have lost. So they're down to, I believe they said, when they were moved from the apartment in Capitol Hill, they were then moved to Linda's house in Wilderness Heights, like on her property. When they were moved, they weighed 70 pounds. Each. Jesus. Not together. 70 pounds each. They were transferred to the home in Wilderness Heights, which was basically Linda's house, the main house on what would be the resort, which was then just a property with little tiny cabins on it. Nothing like what they thought it was going to be. When they transported the sisters, Linda kept them separate. And basically from this point on, she kept the sisters separate. It's believed because she didn't want them to see She's like, if I put them together and they see how bad the other one looks, then they'll be like, we have to stop this. Like, we have to stop doing this. Because up until now, up until almost the end, they're willingly there. Do it. You keep people isolated and you. You keep them isolated. You keep them tired. You keep them hungry so that they can't object. They don't really object, right? Because they're so, like, debilitated from not being nourished Mm -hmm. that they're easily willing to do whatever to survive basically and that happened so on their trip over getting moving into linda's house while they were separated they convinced claire to sign over basically her estate sign over her executor of like her will in her life but the other thing that happened was claire managed to get out a letter whether this was I I listened to multiple podcasts that talked about it almost like it was a hidden message type of a letter that she sent out. Other ones, it sounds like she just sent a letter and it, it just managed to get past the hazards and they let it go. Either way, Claire sends a letter to their childhood nurse, Margaret Conway who was in Australia at the time. So Margaret Conway was their childhood nurse, basically their mother figure. And as far as I know, Margaret had no children of her own. So these were her girls. Claire sends a letter to Margaret basically saying, get on the next ship and come visit me. And Margaret's like, got you. I'm on my way. She gets on the next ship. So it takes another like two months because she takes a ship from Australia to Washington State. God. She gets on the boat. She heads her way there. While she's on her way, I believe she gets another letter from Claire saying, everything's fine. I'm happy. I'm in great health. Dora seems, they tell me that Dora is getting a little loopy, like she's not kind of making sense, but I'm fine. So Margaret shows up in Washington and she is met by Linda Hazard's husband, Sam. Sam picks Margaret up off the boat. Picks her up. They get in the bus. He's like, great. Glad you're here. How's the trip? Oh, by the way, Claire's dead. What? Claire had died while Margaret was traveling. Oh, my gosh. And Margaret's like, wait, what? I'm, yeah, Claire's dead. Claire succumbed to 
an illness that she had before she even came here. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the fasting. Don't think that has anything to do with the fasting. It had nothing fasting. to do with the malnutrition. Nothing to do with that, that at all. It was already, an, she already had an illness. It was an underlying condition, pre-existing condition we didn't know about. And that's that's what and killed you know, her. That nulled her insurance. Yeah, so, it, so that's what got her. So Margaret's like, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that what she was like? <laughs> I'm sorry, What? And they take her to then meet with Dr. Hazard. And Margaret's like, why did Claire die? What happened? That's when Dr. Hazard was like, well, she had an illness, an underlying condition. She died anyway. You know, you're happy. I will let you go see the body if you want. Like, you can go and see her body before you go see Dora. And Margaret's like, okay. You know, that's a really cute top. It's funny because Claire had a top that was just like that top. Stop. She's wearing Claire's clothes when she meets with Margaret. My God. So Margaret goes to view Claire's body. And she goes to this mortuary, which I'll have to do more research on because one podcast I listened to talked about how this mortuary was known for doing shady shit. But it's Butterworth's Mortuary in Washington State. But according to Margaret, the body that she viewed was not Claire's. The face didn't look the same. Cheekbones were different. Everything was so different, so much so down to the hair color. The hair She's color like, was this different. This is not my sister. She was like, this doesn't look like my girl. This isn't Claire. But they're like, that's Claire. She's like, okay, well, I want to go see Dora. Like, let me see Dora. By the time she got to Dora and she found Dora, Dora weighed 50 pounds. Jesus Christ. It physically hurt her to sit like sit in a chair because her bones she had nothing on her bones protecting herself when margaret first met up with dora they originally had told her to when linda met up with her in claire's clothing she was like yeah it's so sad about claire dying also dora's kind of lost her mind so like don't believe anything she says because she's just gone crazy like super super crazy also she's signed over the executor of her estate to us, but like that, just so you know. So Margaret's like, that's weird. Let me go see Dora. She meets Dora. The first night she meets Dora, Dora's like, get me out of here. Like, I don't want to be here. You know, uh, she also said, Dora said, I don't remember signing away anything. I remember them coming to me and saying, do you want to send out this letter? Like you need to sign this thing. She's like, I don't, I did not consent to signing anything away. Yeah. And Margaret's like, okay, great. I'm going to get Good you out of I'm on it. I'm going to get you out of here. She leaves. The next day when Margaret comes back to see Dora, Dora has completely changed her tune. She wants to stay. She wants to stay. She wants to stay and she wants to finish her treatment. So Margaret says, okay, well, if you're staying, I'm staying. And we're going to find a way to get out of here. So let me look up how long Margaret was there with her. Yeah, I was like, how did that pan out? Yeah, they claim that Dora had signed over her power of attorney as well as, like, her guardianship to the hazards. It doesn't say. I think she was only there for, like, a month. It was about a month that Margaret was there trying to convince Dora to leave and then also trying to convince Dr. Hazard, trying to convince Linda to let her go. So they're there for a few months. Margaret's like, I'm not going to leave you here alone. I'm going to stay here with you. I'm going to try to find a way to get you out. And even while Margaret was there, one story says that they were out watching fireworks one night, like, everyone in the you know, resort, whatever you want to call it, all the fasting patients. And one other fasting patient came up to Margaret and was like, can you get us out of here? Like, we we want to leave. We don't know how, but we want to leave. We want to get out. Like, she's got all of our stuff, but we want to get out. Yeah. And Margaret was like, ooh, I only have room in my car for one. She's like, oh, sorry. No, oh, I'm Lace. I, <laughs> I really only came here for my kid. I don't really know sorry. you. But yeah. People were there. People were wanting to get out. Margaret's like, Linda, let my Dora go. Linda, Linda, listen. Linda, Linda, listen. Listen, Linda. And Linda's like, no, I'm so sorry. She signed over her guardianship to me. Like, I'm her guardian for life. She can't just leave. So Margaret goes, all right, well, it's the early 1900s. This sounds like a job for a white man. And she calls in the girl's uncle who lives in Colorado. He's like, we're doing this. So she calls in the uncle. She's like, come out here. You've got to get Dora. Like, Claire died. 
And I'm pretty sure Dora's going to follow the same path. And yeah. they're saying that she signed over her guardianship and that doesn't sound right. And like, you need to come out here and help us. Yeah. So Uncle John came out and Uncle John was like, let my Dora go. And Linda said, no, you know, even if I did let her go. Computer says no. Uh, even if I did let her go, she still owes money on her bill here. So like <laughs> I need for to collect treatment. I need to collect two thousand dollars from her for her treatment that she still owes in me. In the early nineteen hundreds. Yes. Yes. So John finally haggled down and I think he paid a thousand dollars to Linda and Dora was able to leave. So they got Dora out and Dora went to live with her Uncle John while she was nursed back to health because you can't just go eat a cheeseburger and be fine when you've lost that much weight that quickly. Right? Right. But Dora got out and Dora's alive. And let's not forget, Dora's rich. So Dora said, why has no one fucking come and tried to prosecute this woman? And not only that, but Dora is not an American citizen. So they went to, I believe it's the British consulate. They went to her representative and said, we've got, we've got to, we've got to press charges against them. And they said, okay, but we don't have any money to actually press charges. And Dora said, no problem. I'll foot the bill. That's so bad they wanted to see justice get served. Honestly. So. And I guess if. If you have the money, ugh. If you have the money, you have to do it. Justice should be served without you having the money. To actually pull your own, yeah. You shouldn't have to pay for your own in- investigation. But finally, on August 15th of 1911, so Claire and Dora originally started their treatment in February. I believe Claire died in May or June. When Dora was rescued, I believe the number is that she had been in treatment for like 70 days, 70 or 75 days. So August 15th, Linda Hazard is finally arrested and she's charged with first degree murder of starving Claire Williamson to death. In January, she had the trial. It was a big spectacle. Scandalous. Because the other thing is Linda said she didn't die from the fasting. And the only reason you're trying to come and charge me is because I'm a woman. Sounds like teal. I'm a female doctor. I'm a strong woman. And you're coming Why at me. Why do I have people who don't like what I do? Because I'm a tough woman. Because I say what I feel. Because I do what's unconventional and what other people won't do. Because I'm. that's why people want to come for me. Because I'm a woman. And I don't. Yeah. Well, Teal, you're not original because Linda did it first. And it was over 100 years ago. So Yeah, 1911. She's on the stand going, you're only nitpicking me because I'm, I'm a, a woman. woman. I have plenty of people who this treatment has worked for. You just won't let them talk. That was her defense. But then the prosecution had what they called not only her physical starvation of her patients, but her financial starvation. So they brought to light how she took people's money. There were forged checks. They had physical documents where they had forged diaries where they had written. She was taking everything. And... When Margaret was testifying, Margaret testified that she believed up and down that the body that Linda showed her was not Claire's body and that Linda somehow worked with that mortuary to get rid of the people that she killed. And they they showed her another body and that it wasn't Claire's. Why they would do that, I'm not really sure. The biggest reason I can think of and one of the reasons that was posed that makes the most sense to me is that Linda didn't want to show Margaret what Claire actually looked like because she was so emaciated that they had to show her a body that wasn't in as bad a shape as Claire's was. Because remember, sometimes the people in the resort would come down to the city and like beg for food and stuff. And that's where the locals started calling it starvation heights because they would see these people coming down from there starving starving so hazard continued to say it's not my fault it's not my fault they already had a disease and you're only doing this because i'm a woman and she was found guilty but she was found guilty not of first degree murder she was found guilty of manslaughter and she was sentenced to two to 20 years in a like prison where you have to work and how much did she serve 
How many do you think she served? Six. Two. Ah! Two. She served two years. And I don't totally understand why this happened, but after her two years, the, like, judge said, listen, Linda, if you will just leave the country, I'll grant you parole. Like, you can get out of prison if you will just fucking leave the country, if you'll just go. He's like, I'm such back. a xenophobe that I just want you out of our country. I don't even, I don't want even want you in our prison. I just, just want you get gone. out. Yeah. But don't come back. And Linda's like, bet. Bye. So she leaves after serving two years in prison. And where does she go? She can't go anywhere in the U.S. She goes out to New Zealand. She goes to New Zealand, her and her husband, 1915. She packs up. She says, great. She continued to practice as a dietitian in New Zealand for another five years. People came. People paid. People showed up to get this treatment for five because more years. Because there's nothing that was like, I got banned from practicing in America, but now I'm dying. here. Yep. So she did the same thing. And this is, you know, 100 years ago. So there's not like an internet that's like, look out for this doctor. Yep. So she does that until 1920. And then she goes back to Washington State. I don't know why. I guess she forgot she was banned. I think it's really because she wanted to reopen Wilderness Heights really bad. Like open a, have her sanitarium. Now, when she did go back to Washington, she did have her doctor title removed. She could no longer call herself a doctor. They're like, you can't do that. So she opened her sanitarium. She called it publicly a school of health. So it's like she could just recommend things to do, but she couldn't say she was a doctor because her license was revoked. Yes. Or anything Teal Swan does. She continued to supervise fasts from the 1920s. Until the 1935, when the sanitarium burned to the ground. Who burned it? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I couldn't find anything about why, how it burned. What we I know did it burned know, to the ground, but we don't know who, why, how, when, what, where. No idea. What I do know is that it was a, a compound, an area built to have hundreds of people in it. When it burned, there were only about 12 only a dozen patients currently staying there and doing the fasting treatment. Did anybody treatment. die? No, not from the fire, only from the fasting. Sure. That's it. So in 1938, they told Linda that she was sick. She had lost, her thing had burned to the ground. She was now told she was sick. So she said, you know what? Fuck it. I've told people that fasting cures all their diseases. Might as well try it myself. So she started fasting to try to cure herself. And she died from starvation. Yeah. She in did. 1938. She sure did. She died in her home in Olala, the same home that she had before, the same home that the Williamson sisters stayed in in the attic, in apartments in the attic. She died in the bedroom right underneath the bedroom that Claire Williamson died in. And she died of star- date, starvation in 1938. What a wild ride. She served two years of jail time. They estimate, they know for a fact she's got at least 10 or 12 deaths attributed to her, but they estimate upwards of 40. Yeah. 40 people died at her hands. Fucking A, lady. And that is the hazard red flag that is Linda Hazard and Starvation Heights. The Teal Swan, Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwen Shamblin before (sighs) it was cool. Linda Hazard. She did it first. It was never cool. She did it first. I mean, it was cool for her when she was taking people's money and getting a whole new wardrobe. But wait. I'm not done. You're not done? I have a part three that I'll be getting to next week. Oh, my God. What a wild ride. How is there a part three, you might ask? Linda's dead. Exactly. There's ghosts. We'll find out next week. We'll find out next week. Interesting. Undead Time Stories. Undead Time Stories. Next week on Dead Time Stories, we find out there's some ghosts there. Do they know things? What do they know? Let's find out. Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? So, 
I am talking about a mysterious death, an unsolved. We love them here. Situation. We love them on um, bedtime stories. But content warning: I will put in that it is the death of a child. Uh, they are when I say child, he's sixteen or he was sixteen. Um, so not you know like an infant, but a minor, like a kid. Yeah. So I want to put that out there. So we're going to be talking about a 16-year-old teenager whose name was Kendrick Johnson. He was a basketball player in his hometown in Valdosta, Georgia. And he uh, didn't come home one day from school. It was January 10th of 2013. And when he didn't come home from school, his mother immediately called the police. And she was like, this is not like him. He does not not come home. Like, we haven't heard from him. We need to be looking for him immediately. And they were like, okay, like, call us back when it's been a certain amount of time. But, like, we're going to go ahead and start looking into it. And his parents said that when he didn't come home by midnight, when they hadn't heard anything, they knew that their son had died. (gasps) Yeah. And... No one knew, like, where he was. Like, no one could find him, but he was gone. Okay? Is he the kid who was found in the gym mat in the school? Yes. That's most of what I know about this story, but I know that it's sad. Yeah. So content warning. (sighs) All right, let's go. So the next day, on January 11th, 2013, the body body of Kendrick Johnson was discovered in the gymnasium of his high school, Lowndes High School in Valdosta, Georgia. He was found head first, upside down, vertically rolled up in a wrestling mat. So if you're not familiar with what that is, um, it's basically like a big um, mat that they roll out for guys to wrestle on in the gym. And it's about six feet tall. So if you are not American, that's roughly like about two meters, about two meters tall. So it's a little bit taller than most teenagers, but maybe like maybe a tall teenager is about the same height. And it's like a big foam mat. And these mats were stored in the gym vertically. So upside, like stored that way. And he was found inside the gym mat, like rolled up when somebody pushed the gym mat over to look for something. And they basically saw his feet at the top of the mat, and that's how he was found. Mm. So then the question became, like, how did he wind up in there? And an autopsy by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation initially stated that Johnson had died from uh, positional asphyxia. So basically they said he was in there upside down, and that that caused him to die. Basically, when your blood, when you're upside down for yeah. too long, the way yep. the blood rushes to your head and to your lungs ultimately can kill you. And initially, from his first autopsy, that's what the investigators said had happened. Authorities hypothesized that Johnson had fallen into the mat while he was looking for a shoe. So apparently, it was really common for students to like. When you were in gym, I don't know if you ever had to, like, switch your gym shoes, like, switch your regular shoes for gym shoes. Mm -hmm. That's not a, like, weird thing. But people would take their shoes off and throw them up on the mats. um, And sometimes they would fall through the mat, and then people would push the mat over to get Mm -hmm. their shoes out from under the mat at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. But people weren't crawling on top of the mat and trying to climb down. People would push the mat over, and that's ultimately how his body was discovered was when people pushed the mats over looking for other stuff. So when he was found, he wasn't wearing shoes. So they don't know if this was in between like switching in and out of gym shoes. One of his shoes was like under him. So they were like, maybe he was like trying to get to his shoe and he fell in and it was a freak accident. But these things are rolled up pretty tight. Like for him to just like fall in there, it, doesn't make a lot of sense. And for him to try and like climb through it rather than just pushing it over, which is what everybody would do to get their shoes out. It doesn't doesn't make sense. Make sense. Yes. 
So Lieutenant Stride Jones, who headed the investigation for Lowndes County Sheriff's Office, said we never had credible information that this indicated that there was anything other than an accident. Mm. Johnson's family questioned this hypothesis, unsatisfied with the, revol- with the result of the investigation. They hired an independent autopsy conducted by William R. Anderson with forensic dimensions in Heathrow, Florida on June 15th, 2013. Anderson claimed that his findings indicated traces of blunt force trauma to the right neck and soft tissues and suggested the death was not accidental. So when the parents were taken to identify his body, they said that when they saw him, he looked like he had he looked like he had been in a fight. And he'd been beat up. Yeah, like like this one side of his face was swollen and he had like some marks on his face that mm-hmm. made, led them to believe that he was beat up, mm-hmm. um, that there was some sort of fight before the incident that happened that ended with him being rolled up in that mat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After the opinion of the private pathologist was released, Johnson's family stated that they believed Johnson had been murdered. They did not believe that their son had this freak accident where he fell into the mats. No. But that he had been murdered and deliberately rolled up and left. Yep. In the mat inside the gym. Yep. At that time, the family retained the services of a attorney named Benjamin Crump, who specializes in civil rights and catastrophic personal injury and wrongful death lawsuits. He worked with the families of Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, George Floyd. He worked with a lot of the citizens of Flint, Michigan Mm -hmm. for the water crisis. Um, He also worked with the families of Ahmaud Avery, Breonna Taylor, and Jacob Blake. So he has a lot of experience in instances where, especially where they believe that race was involved. Kendrick Johnson was a black student in Georgia. So they believe that there was some sort of like racial incident, some sort of fight that happened leading up to this incident where Kendrick was found in the mat. Mm. So initially he was working to become their attorney, but ultimately, because you know, when you're a lawyer or different kinds of things where you need a degree, you have your license to work in certain states. Um, But ultimately he wasn't able to get verified to work as a lawyer in Georgia. So he wasn't able to continue taking on the case. Okay. Johnson's family filed legal action to open a coroner's inquest into the death. When the judge in that case delayed a decision pending the outcome of the U.S. Attorney's review, the family demanded that the governor of Georgia immediately authorize the inquiry instead. The family, together with the NAACP and other civil rights activists, then held a rally at Georgia State Capitol in Atlanta. The governor's office released a statement indicating that they would await the report by the U.S. Attorney. So the independent autopsy found that sometime after Johnson's body was recovered from the mat, it had passed from a uh, through a funeral home. So they wow. had an, they had the first autopsy. Then it was sent to a funeral home for them to embalm have, him. It doesn't talk about. I'm I'm assuming they also embalmed him, but that's not the part that's weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, when they requested another autopsy after the funeral, so they got the body from the funeral home. When they went to do the autopsy and they went to open his body, they had found that his internal organs were gone and he had been stuffed full of newspapers. What? So the funeral home said basically that The organs must have been destroyed in the process, but that this was pretty common practice when they had to, like, show a body and they didn't have the organs. They didn't know if they lost the organs, if the FBI lost the organs. They basically couldn't tell the family what What happened happened to the organs, but they filled him with newspaper. Wow. And they say we just do that for everybody? That's just what we fill them with. And when they went to sue them about it, while the basically like the state board on funerals in Georgia was like, it's not technically illegal. It's just a thing that like people don't really do that anymore. This is like an old timey practice to fill them up with newspapers. And it's not technically against the law. It's just really disrespectful and rude. Right. So they sued them over losing 
the organs. Wow. Because they didn't have anything indicated he came to them without organs. Yep. So did they win the suit? Uh, Yes, they did win the suit. Um, but it was mostly like uh, it was like monetary damages. It wasn't. Yeah, sure. They're not it wasn't get the technically <laughs> they didn't do right. Exactly. Technically, yeah. they didn't do anything illegal. But what they did was like you know it still upset the family, and the family didn't know. And yeah. Yep. 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 So, what kind of evidence do they have about what happened to Kendrick? Right. There were surveillance cameras at the school. Okay, and surveillance cameras. That are outside the gym door, so you can see people coming and going from the gym, which is where the body was found. And there are cameras in the gym, but there aren't any that point directly Mm -hmm. at the mats. Mm -hmm. So there wouldn't have been any footage there anyway. But they were trying to find footage of, like, when did he go into the gym? And did anybody else go in and out of the gym during that time? So here are a few issues with the surveillance footage. The cameras are supposed to be set to have, like, motion sensors, Mm -hmm. but there is, like, an hour – there are four cameras, and two of those cameras are missing an hour of footage, and two of those cameras are missing two hours of footage. What? Two of them are missing between 11 a.m. and around 1 1 p.m., and two of them are missing between noon and 1 p.m., and the other thing is – we know that the cameras inside weren't always activating because there's more footage of people going into the gym than there is a footage of people in the in gym. The, gym. the other thing was the timestamps on the cameras inside the gym and the cameras outside the gyms, they don't line up. And we don't know which cameras are right. If they have the right time, the timing on the two cameras is at least 10 minutes off. The camera that's like, him showing up in the gym versus the time, quote unquote, that he came into the gym from oh, those cameras. Yeah. So the time sinks are off by at least 10 minutes. And we don't know if they're more off than that. If like it says that he entered the gym at 1.09 p.m. But what if that clock was totally wrong on that camera? Oh, my gosh. So what if he went into the gym earlier than that or after that? So they have nothing. So they have nothing. Now, especially there were two boys that were looked at a lot for this case. It's a pair of brothers. Their names are Brian and Brandon Bell. Brian is the older brother. and How he does was... he spell it? <laughs> I think it's with an I. Of course it is. <laughs> he did it. We feel a certain kind of way about Brian's. You would know that if you started from the beginning. Now, Brian was on the team with Kendrick and Witnesses had said before that they had gotten into, like, an altercation on the bus, like, going to or from a wrestling match or something. But ultimately, that, like, Kendrick had kind of, like, won that fight Mm -hmm. and that Brian was never, like, not butthurt about it. The other thing is that Brian and his younger brother, Brandon, their father, his name is Rick Bell, is a former FBI agent, So some people think that he would have had the ability or the connection to deal with that footage, maybe get the footage to disappear if he had the right connection at the school, but that he would be able to make this investigation go away for his sons. Now, the other thing is, Brian said that he did not see Kendrick on the day that he disappeared, but there is footage that shows the two of them in the same place at the same time, not in the gym, but like somewhere else in the school. So Mm -hmm. he did see him that day. And his alibi basically was that he was on the bus at that time to like another like bout or whatever. But if the time on the, if the video timestamp on the videos isn't correct, then he could have, that could give him the alibi of like, oh, nope, I was on the bus at that time. Yeah, because look at the timestamp. But if the, the timestamp, right, was wrong and this happened at like 12 and he got on that bus at 1 o'clock, mm-hmm. that's his alibi right there. Buh. Very fishy to me. Seems a little, you know what? I get, Defund the FBI. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Johnson's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Lords County um, Board of Education. 
its superintendent and the principal of Lowndes High School. The suit alleged that Johnson was violently assaulted, severely injured, and suffered great physical pain and mental anguish and subjected to insult and loss of life on January 10th of 2013. While the lawsuit did not name the person or persons allegedly involved in the January 10th event, nor identify the race of the alleged perpetrators, it is implied that a race-based dimension happened to the hypothetical assault. The lawsuit alleged that the defendants were negligent and violated Johnson's constitutional right to equal protection based on race. It alleged that the defendants ignored reports that previously Johnson had been repeatedly attacked and harassed by a white student, Brian Bell. Mm -hmm. It alleged that Johnson was attacked on a bus trip 14 months prior to his death. The lawsuit further alleged that Brian Bell had a history of provoking and attacking Johnson at school, stating that the provocations took place in the presence of the coaching staff and employees after his mother complained about previous attacks. The suit also alleged that the school officials failed to properly monitor the activities of students throughout all areas of the campus and to maintain a properly functioning video surveillance system. Yeah, that's all that checks out for sure. In August 2014, a $5 million lawsuit against Ebony Magazine was filed after the magazine published a series of articles naming two students as possible suspects in Johnson's death. The magazine used pseudonyms, but otherwise accurate in the descriptions of the boys, including the fact that their father was an FBI agent. The article used a source as an anonymous email to the sheriff's office. In their lawsuit, the parents of the accused boys assert that their sons were not involved in the death, are not considered suspects, and have been harassed as a result of the publication. In January 2015, Johnson's family filed a $100 million civil lawsuit in the Superior Court of DeKalb County against 38 individuals. Respondents, including three of Johnson's classmates, two of the three respondents are unnamed, and local, state, and federal officials, the school superintendent of Lowndes County, the Valdosta Lowndes Crime Lab, and the police chief of Valdosta, many sheriff's deputies, the city of Valdosta, the state medical examiner, the GBI, five of its agents, and one FBI agent. The lawsuit alleged that the FBI agent ordered his two sons and a classmate to attack Johnson and that his death was a murder, that the respondents engaged in a conspiracy to cover up the homicide. Jim Elliott, the Lowndes County attorney, stated that the allegations were unfounded and baseless and that any response would be made in court. All local Superior Court judges recused themselves from presiding over the case preventing the lawsuit from being filed and heard in Lowndes County, citing that their close proximity to the accused, that they were all too close they all to that know family. They dad too. Oh, my gosh. They've got people everywhere. Yes. Wow. Those so, boys definitely did it. So all the judges recused themselves because they were like, oh, I couldn't possibly because I'm friends with the Bell family, so I couldn't possibly stand over this case. So there's no one to do the case. In their county. Correct. Shortly before the lawsuit was filed, U.S. Attorney Michael J. Moore said in a statement that a federal investigation was still open and that the investigation has proven more complicated and taken longer than originally anticipated. Mm -hmm. After Moore resigned in 2015, the case was transferred to the Northern District of Ohio under U.S. Attorney Stephen Deckelbach. Remind you, this happened in Georgia. Georgia. Shortly after receiving the case, Deckelbach also resigned. Despite these resignations, the Department of Justice investigation continued. In November of 2015, the Department of Justice filed a motion in the civil case to intervene and stay the case. The U.S. attorney said allowing evidence discovery in the civil suit to continue would have a, quote, chilling effect on the federal investigation, which had expanded into investigating possible obstruction and grand jury witness tampering. After the Justice Department's motion was denied, Johnson's parents dismissed their own wrongful death lawsuit, saying that they hoped to refile it after the conclusion of the federal investigation. They were subsequently sued for more than $850,000 in attorney fees and a million dollars in defamation damages. The family of the boy the parents that they, of the person that died? who died. Yes. 
On June 20th, 2016, the Department of Justice announced that they would not be filing any criminal charges related to Johnson's death, stating after extensive investigation into this tragic event, federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other prosecutable federal crime. On August 10th, 2017, so this was four years or um, like, you know, four and a half years after he died, Georgia Judge Richard Porter ruled that Johnson's family and their attorney had to pay more than $292,000 in legal fees to the dozens of respondents in their civil suit. So the people that they tried to sue. Writing testimony shows that they had no evidence to support their claims that the brothers killed Johnson or that any of the other defendants engaged in conspiracy to conceal the cause or manner of Johnson's death. On March 10th of 2021, the case was officially reopened. Okay. Last year. However, Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk stated that he would not be claiming there was something wrong with the original investigation or that the original investigation's conclusion of accidental death was wrong. The sheriff also stated he does not consider the case to be a homicide. He further stated that the two brothers named in previous legal actions by the Johnsons are not suspects. In January of 2022, the second investigation closed with no charges filed. So now his family, Kendrick's family, is having to pay everything back? So, yeah, basically not even everything back. Like, they they got countersued, essentially, yeah. and were charged fines for claiming that the Bell family was responsible for their son's death. Wow. We still have no official answers. We The word on this is it was a freak accident. He fell into the mat. But if you see, which I have a picture. I didn't know if you wanted to see the picture. Mm. You only see his feet. Oh, of him in the mat? Yes. Oof, yeah. But when you see how tight it is. He's like in there. Like It's yes. like they rolled it up He's around him. He's been rolled up in it. And when they had the autopsy, right, and they found like the different like bruises and stuff, when they had that second autopsy before the one where all his organs were gone, mm-hmm. they said that he would have had damage to his lungs if he had died from being upside down, mm-hmm. but he didn't, which leads them to believe he was already dead when he got rolled up in the mat. Ugh. So this is how so they, they found him. Beat him to death. So you can see. Oh my see God, he's in there. He's in, there. in it. And all you can see are his feet. Yeah, he didn't There's get... no way he like no. fell into that. No. Right? Or crawled his way through from above. No, they stopped. rolled him in there. He was rolled up in that mat. They murdered that boy. And because they got dads in high places, they're going to get away with it. And that's the story of the death of Kendrick Johnson, which at this time is still a closed, unsolved case. And the only people paying for it literally are his His parents. parents. I hate it. I hate it here. Yeah. It's so sad. It is sad. It's also just like... I couldn't, I, oh, so you had heard of it when I started describing it to you. I had never heard of it when I was reading about it. Really? And I was like, how have I never heard about this? This is so wild. I read about it on Reddit ages ago. But again, the thing going around Reddit was a lot of people saying like, I think he did get stuck. No, I think those other two did it. And like, just lots of theories going around. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know all the shit about his, basically his organs going missing, which means something happened. Yeah. And uh, everything because they said then. when like you're getting an autopsy from like the police or whatever when they're investigating that they will remove the organs of course they to test each them. Of them toxicology tests yes but once that autopsy is over they return those organs to inside the body because they should that's my story <sighs> sorry it's not like a funny one all right thanks guys let's but I I hope that cry. it was one that was like you know educate you educational and interesting and and made you want to learn more and and hope for justice for Kendrick Johnson. Absolutely. That's it.
Absolutely. If you want to support our show, there are so many ways you can do that. We have a Patreon where you can give us money. We have a website where you can buy merch from us. That's deadtimestories with a Z.com. Email us at deadtimestories at gmail.com. But the best way you can support us that doesn't cost any money is by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, anywhere where you listen to this podcast. Give us a review and let the people know that they should listen to us. Yeah, duh, do it. Thank you. Bye. That's it, man. I'm Stephanie. <laughs> and I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Well, I was going to ask if you saw the new Chip and Dale No, movie. you asked me that the other day because y'all were talking about how amazing it was you and Danielle. It really was so funny. Well, there is a character that is drawn in the style of the Beowulf. Like, they're so... All of them... All of them are different. All the like jokes they make in this movie. It's so funny. I swear to God. I know, y'all like, were talking about you. It's surprisingly you talk funny. You talking about the Sonic. Tim Robbins is the old Sonic and it's zooming in on his fucked up creepy He's tea. the weird CGI Sonic that the internet pitched a fit about. And Before so they, they reworked it. Yes, it, I remember. Movie. Yeah, that's who Tim Robbins plays. And yeah, they always zoom in on his teeth. But like Chip... Chip, I think, is the Andy Samberg half of the duo, and he took himself from being a 2D animation to being, to being 3D. I, I remember that from the one trailer I've seen of this So movie. as they're going around, obviously they run into Peter Pan, who's now an adult. He's 2D, and they run into other places, and they go to... Now, is Peter Pan like the Disney Peter Pan? Is he yes. that animated? Because I remember yes. you said he was Will Arnett. Yes. But he's vo- a voice by Will Arnett. Yes. He is a cartoon, Disney cartoon Peter Pan. Yes, he's okay. the cartoon of Peter Pan as he got older, and he has a beard gut but he's still in his peter pan costume because that's how you know he's peter pan of course and then they go to this other area that's all uncanny valley which is the beowulf Beowulf, (laughs) polar uh, express polar express honestly y'all if you have disney plus watch the new chip and dale rescue rangers movie it is highly recommended it is worth it it is really funny i was surprised i was i was surprised Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 